Hey everyone, welcome to the Union Movement Podcast. My name is Brian Pugh and I am the co-founder of the Union Movement alongside my wife, Bonnie. And here at the Union, we are passionate about helping people find wholeness in areas of sexuality, identity, and relationships, and just really experience the beauty of God's design for all those areas, as we know that those areas of our life are really heavy at times and can be really confusing and challenging, but we hope to be truthful and honest and encouraging Uh, no matter where you are today, that we believe that this podcast could be a game changer in your life. If you are a return listener, we so appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming back and for subscribing and sharing this and commenting. It just helps us to be uh, seen by more and more people and uh, for the message to get out in front of more people, right? Because that's what we're all all about. We don't want to be living in a vacuum and, uh, and, you know, these these truths just to be kept in secret, but we love that you're sharing that and commenting and it just means the world to us. But if you are a first time listener, we want to welcome you here. We're so glad that you've joined us and we hope that this conversation that I have today with our guest, Sathya Sam, he's the founder of uh, Deep Clean. I hope that it's going to be helpful uh, for you. The work that he does um, in helping men find freedom from porn addiction uh, is just awesome. Honestly, I could not rave uh, enough about it. He's just an awesome dude and real practical steps that we talk about. And uh, it's going to be really life-giving and encouraging and uh, hopefully uh, can be an avenue of freedom for so many people today. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sathya. All right, Sathya, welcome back to the Union Podcast, man. You've been here before, yet you came back. That's one thing to, to join up with us the first time, but you came back, dude. We're so glad that you're here with us again. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I had I had enough fun with you guys that I was like, hey, we got to do this again. So here we are. Yeah, here we are. We're gonna rock it today. It's uh, it's gonna be a good um, gonna be a good sequel for sure, for sure. Now, uh, for those of us who don't know you, who maybe didn't catch our, our our previous podcast with you, tell us about what you do at Deep Clean. You're the founder of an organization called Deep Clean, and you help men with pornography. Let's hear all about it, man. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. So I am a, a coach. I work with professional Christian men and I help them uh, uh, really resolve the root issues of porn addiction. Uh, you and I know that to really get free of any kind of unwanted sexual behavior, you have to go underneath the surface. And um, th- this whole idea that I had to even help people in this area was birthed out of my own experience. I struggled with pornography for 15 years. And um, somewhere near near the end of those 15 years, I would say I was I was addicted. I really had a very high dependency on it. Mm. And got really frustrated by the lack of resources, uh, the lack of conversations in the church. Um, all of that collectively kind of made me decide, okay, for starters, I need to get free. Um, I, had a, I had the conviction about it. I knew I had to figure it out. But secondly, when I get free, I will do my best to resource other guys, other girls, people that, that want to get the freedom, but maybe are just running into the same lack of support that I found on my journey. So uh, February 2016 was the last time I watched and had any kind of experience with pornography or masturbation. And uh, we launched Deep Clean end of 2018. And the rest is history. As they say, we've been running strong ever since. Come on, man. I love it. I love it. I love your heart for this topic. And I love just your your boldness and your your courage just to go there and, you know, and to help help people get free because that's what we're all about here at the union, too. So um, this just feels like, yeah, good connection, man. So I appreciate what you're doing. And obviously, like we value testimony too, and so that's what it just means so much. And I and I I just want to say to our listeners, if you're if you're listening today, Sathya's story can be your story, you know. And I think we're going to get through um, some of those practical things um, on how how freedom can come about. But it it is for everybody. 
Um, now I'm excited to talk about your book. You've written a book called the last relapse and how we can realize our potential reclaim intimacy and resolve the root issues of porn addiction. Tell us why this book. So, I mean, it really boils down to just resourcing, you know, really wanting to resource people. Uh, when I first started out in this work, um, I think I was really determined to like, to be that coach, to be, to be with people and to really walk them through. And obviously we still do that. But one of my goals in the last probably 18, 24 months has just been to get as many resources out there as possible. So we started a weekly newsletter. We have a daily podcast and the book was just a natural progression of that. It was like, okay, I have this program. I built out a course that all my clients get to go through. Um, obviously it comes with a cost and I just wanted the barrier of entry to be lower, you know, because I remember when I was struggling, like, um, my first inclination was not like, I'm going to call up a coach and, you know, share all my dirty secrets and let them into this really deep part of my life. It was a slow burn, you know, like it, it's nice to just understand what resources are out there and how are people getting free and how is it working for them? And you start to kind of formulate a little bit of safety and comfort with the topic before maybe you would actually go and, and, you know, check out one of your guys' courses or check out the union or, you know, whatever it might be. And so mm -hmm. the whole, the whole heart behind the last relapse is I just want to take the absolute best that we, ha that we have, um, the things that have really been effective and move the needle forward in our clients and make them as available as possible. Um, and we, we really built a lot of resources around it. Um, I don't know when this episode comes out, but there's a free masterclass for people who pre-order anybody who gets the book automatically gets a free workbook. Like we've just tried to resource the heck out of anybody who's looking for it. So that's the oh, heart behind it, man. I love it. I love it. Cause I think like sometimes truth goes layer by layer, right. And you need to continually mm -hmm. expose yourself to, to resources and perspective and teaching, um, to continue to take layers of pain off layers of shame and guilt. Um, so man, I love it. I love what you're doing. And I also love the title, the last relapse, because I think when we talk about, uh, pornography addiction, I think a lot of people, um, you know, speaking as a, as a man who struggled in this area for a season of my life, like it felt like it was just trying to manage relapses and just kind of like trying to stretch mm -hmm. out distances between relapse, but to, to ever think that this could be over, you know, it's just like this crazy concept. And I think for a lot of people, it might seem really intimidating, but how do you see, um, freedom being a real reality for people that this could actually be could actually be the end. They don't have to continue in this way. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you and I are, are that special. You know, like I think, I think we identified things that really help a, a guy get free of pornography and we've been able to execute them. So that that's why I wrote the book. And, and I think um, my marketing manager always reminds me, she's like, you know, you're, you're not actually giving people information. You're not giving them tools. You're giving them hope hey. because when you, when you have this problem, sometimes that's, that's actually all you need. You don't need all the tools and tips. You just need hope to know, this is actually possible. And, so good. Um, and yeah, I think, I, I don't know, sometimes I forget, like it's been six years now, you know, since I last had that and you forget how hopeless it can feel. And so that, that is, that's the heart of the book. It's, and, you know, for anybody who's listening to just let them know, like, I'm not anything special. And I think if I was, then what I, what I'm trying to teach people wouldn't be working in their lives as well, but it is. Mm -hmm. And so we know now that, you know, whether you're old or young, rich or poor, whether you've been struggling for a year or you've been struggling for five decades, um, there, there are certain universal concepts that, that have an application here and are really going to help you live that life of freedom. And I've, I've never been more convinced of it now than ever before. All right. So I'm totally going to put you on the spot here. All right. Please. So here's a, a, here's a precursor. So like in your metrics and how you measure like success within the work that you do, what is the percentage of people who find freedom through, through the work that you're doing at deep clean? Yeah. I love that question. So when people enter 
deep clean. We we do not um we don't allow people to enter just because they want to get free of porn. What what we actually always ask somebody if they're considering the program is what are the ripples of you getting free? What changes in your marriage? Uh, what changes in your spiritual life? Uh, what changes for your self esteem? And so we we really try to get a comprehensive picture because we don't want to just measure success by how many days did you go without watching porn? You and I both know that's a bit of a death trap, right? Yes, it's all behavior modification and white yep. knuckling. Yeah. So the way we measure success is actually first internally. We look back and we say, okay, of those ripples, are, are we seeing things going in the right direction here? Is is your wife starting to trust you more? Um, are you starting to feel more confident in yourself? Can you look at yourself in the mirror, you know, without feeling ashamed? Um, we we look for those little things that are actually the things that drive true behavioral change. And um, and so our our success rate in those arenas after somebody is done our program with us. It's anywhere from 60 to 70 percent. Hard to put an exact metric on it. Sure, sure. Um, but people who really apply the program, they, they just do what we tell them. It sounds so simple, but it is hard sometimes because obviously well, for sure. some of the things we want people to do are not, not the most comfortable things in the world, but just necessary. Uh, when they put those things to practice, uh, we see it's a very high rate of them. Not just, not just starting to, to see the trend line going in the right direction for their relapses, but also the ripples are starting to come to fruition. Man, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Now, I've heard you talk like a lot about focusing on the underlying issues. Now, mm-hmm. how does that play in to, to porn addiction? And what does that what does that really look like in focusing on the underlying issues? Yeah, anything in your external life is evidence of what's going on internally. And so a lot of solutions that the mainstream solutions for porn addiction are all very behaviorally focused, right? Mm-hmm. It's just uh, get the filter on your phone. Um, have the accountability partner that you reach out to to pray for you after you mess up. Uh, you know, it's all very um, like it's spiritual disciplines and pray more. And actually, I'm not against any of those things. All sure. of those things I mentioned, I think, in the right context can be really effective. But the reality is generally we are watching pornography or engaging in sexual misbehavior to satisfy something within us. Usually there's unmet needs. There's unprocessed pain. Um, there's some sort of disconnection. And if people don't address those issues, then it's a house of cards. You can go 120 days or even a year or two without pornography, but um, it's quite likely that those root level issues are going to find a new way to grow, a new way to sprout. And uh, it's interesting. One of my, one of my clients um, just yesterday, he was talking about, you know, um, this is the longest I've gone without porn. It's, it's like 17 days. He's like, this is the longest I've gone without porn, wow. probably in my adult life. You know, he's, uh, he's, pra- he's practicing to be a, a surgeon. Um, isn't quite licensed yet, but almost there. And um, he was saying, but you know, I noticed this last week. Uh, he's like, I'm not really a drinker, but I found myself gravitating towards alcohol. You know, just like, just want to have a drink or two every single night. And he's like, that's never happened before. And that kind of dynamic is exactly what happens when all you do is cut off the plant, so to speak, or the weed at a surface level. The roots just find a new way to sprout. Maybe it's alcohol or maybe it's just lustful thoughts or whatever it is. But true long-term freedom, not sobriety, but true freedom actually comes when you address the underlying issues of the heart. And that's so good. How, like, just to even pick up on that, how do you separate and how do you define the difference between sobriety and genuine freedom? Yeah, sobriety is really the metric of behavior. It's, you know, 90 days without porn or, or whatever it is. Um, just because you're sober doesn't mean you're free. And I think people get that mixed up a lot. Um, the, the reality is, and maybe I'll even drive that home a bit further. You can be sober and not be free. But once you get free, it is only a matter of time before you become sober. 
Mm. And so I, I think it's really important. Um, the, the sobriety is the behavioral focus, but freedom is where the way I define freedom in the book is freedom is actually the power of choice. And whoever has more choices in any given moment of any single day has more freedom. Um, you know, like with our generation, Brian, there's this huge thing about getting financially free or having financial freedom at a young age, right? Like on YouTube, my YouTube thing is just cluttered with it. Oh, dude, and, totally. Right. And the, the whole concept of financial freedom is that you have a choice of whether or not you want to work or how many hours you work. All of it centers around having choice. And when somebody's in the bondage of pornography or, or sexual sin, when an urge or a temptation comes up, they have no choice. They, they just give in. They can't help it. They can't control themselves. They feel like they're a victim to their thoughts or their urges. And so there, there's no freedom there. And part of, of growing and, and developing your freedom is giving yourself more options and more choices in any given moment of any single day. And when you grow up in the church, you're often taught that freedom is binary. You know, mm. that it's like, oh, I used to struggle with porn, but now I'm free. I mean, I've even kind of used that vocabulary in, in this interview. But the reality is freedom is actually a gradient. It occurs across a spectrum. And yeah. yes, it, it's been, you know, six years since I watched pornography, but I'm still growing in my freedom every day. You know, I'm still learning to take my thoughts captive and to walk more into that. And, um, and I think it's an important distinction in sort of the sobriety freedom conversation. Yeah, that's really well said, really well said. Um, you, you touched on it very, very quickly there, but like, I think you kind of, <laughs> I think it's conversations I've had with some, some guys who are wanting to be free and, um, in this area of porn addiction, you just kind of blew up their strategy. You know, you said, <laughs> you know, like, internet filters, accountability partners that they only just talk to and confess when they've messed up. And they're just like, dude, that was my two options. Like, <laughs> like that was my yeah. two, my two <laughs> avenues, my two weapons. How would you like unpack that to why that that's not an effective strategy and why those things don't work in and of themselves? Yeah, for sure. So, and, and thanks for that clarification. Cause it's true. They can be part of a comprehensive solution. Uh, the main reason internet filters don't work is because they, they're not really, it's like taking a Tylenol when you're in pain. So it's going to medicate the symptom, but it's not curing the issue. Right. And, and so um, the, the filter can be a great starting point. And, you know, I had a client uh, a couple of weeks ago, he, he had gone a much longer period of time. I think he was at eight or 10 weeks. Uh, again, just longest time he's, he's had in a very long time. Um, and he said something, he had a bad day. Uh, boss said something to him and he was really having a weak moment and he was like, you know what? It's just one time I'm having a good streak, you know, kind of just gave himself the little self-pity thing. Right. And, um, and then went and bam, there was the filter and it was just enough to give him the presence of mind to go, wait, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to stop. And he, you know, he closes the browser. That's the kind of role it can play. So it, if it's in conjunction with you addressing the underlying issues and making some, some heart developments, then I think it's great. But I think on its own, the reality is you can get around an internet filter whenever you want to. You Dude, know, it's really if you really want hard. to, if you really want to, you'll find a way. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? It's like it's like the drug addict who deletes all of his um, his dealers out of his phone. He deletes the contact and thinks like, okay, perfect, like I'm good to go. It's like, dude, when when that rush comes, like when you want to hit, you will probably find a way, whether you have their phone numbers or not. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like your, your subconscious will probably bring all those numbers <laughs> to the forefront yeah. of your mind. It's like, let's get it. Let's get this fixed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's go. Yeah. Um, I, I want to bring this into a little bit of like our modern uh, context or just our, our season and our moment that we've been in with, you know, we've seen COVID kind of spread all over the world and lockdowns and, uh, and the effect that that has played 
on mental health because, you know, like I, I had to laugh. Well, I, I say that because it's not really funny, but like, it was actually really sad. Like when all the first lockdown started happening, we saw that like there was a porn, um, a porn site that offered free memberships, you know what I yeah. mean? For during the lockdown season, you know what I mean? And I go like, wow, that's like a recipe for disaster. But how yeah. do you, how do you like play into the, the realities of mental health and thought life into this discussion, specifically in this moment that we're in with people are like, it seems like we're maybe getting to the other side of COVID, but who maybe there's some guys listening or some people listening that this has just been a hard, hard last couple of years. And this area of their life has really fallen apart. Yeah. I mean, um, if you're in that situation, uh, I just want to say, I'm really sorry. Like I, I, I totally get it. It has been challenging. And the reality is, you know, uh, depending on where you live, uh, a lot of us were forced to, to make changes to our lives that we didn't necessarily want to make. Sure. Um, there's no greater magnifier of dysfunction than isolation. And it, it's for me, it's been really upsetting, like even just dealing with the lockdowns and stuff, because I think we know that while the lockdowns maybe are dealing with the, the COVID issue, um, the mental and the emotional the yeah. social dynamics, we're yet to see the true impact of that, but it's going to be monumental, you know, and uh, a lot of some of the most common clients we work with these days are people that are in tech um, because because mm. a lot of them are at home. Um, they're, they're locked away in their offices. And, you know, let's let's not kid ourselves. It's, it's hard to work that nine to five in your office, just staring at a screen all day when you're mm -hmm. used to being in a building with other people. So their minds are drifting and they're killing time and, you know, you're scrolling yeah. away and one thing leads to another so, yeah, we, we definitely, I mean, Deep Clean almost doubled in size in 2020 because wow. of it. I think people really needed the help. And, um, yeah, it's, it's no small issue. So, uh, yeah, the, the COVID thing's been for real. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I've, as I've been talking with people, too, like, we, we get this suspicion or we get this idea that somehow COVID um, caused a lot of these issues. And, like, that they were, that it was in and of itself the, the problem behind a lot of the we've seen social upheaval we've seen you know racial issues come to the forefront we think oh covid's caused this but i think in a lot of ways it's magnified what's already been there and i think that that can be really yeah. intimidating for a lot of people because now they're they're seeing issues of their own heart magnified before them um what would you say to that person who's almost feeling that overwhelming like i didn't like how did i get here like how what would you how would you talk that person back and talk them talk them down in some ways like hey it's going to be okay. What would you, how would you approach that? Yeah, I, I would just say you haven't been here forever. And so just, just remember that, you know, it's, it's only a season, uh, you know, historically speaking, the average pandemic is three years. So we're getting there. We're getting um, there. Li life, life is going to get better uh, and it'll be back to normal. Um, and the one thing to remember is I think one of the biggest lies we believe, Brian, is that, is that COVID has changed us, you know, because like we're in these new habits and whatever else. COVID has definitely changed the way we perceive the world. Uh, sure. Maybe it's changed our opinions on certain things, but who we are, um, like the way God's made us and designed us, that that cannot be affected by a global pandemic, you know? Absolutely. And the, the person that God has made each and every single one of these listeners to be, it, it is so far beyond the reach of, of a pandemic, of um, any kind of uh, agenda or whatever. And, I, and I, I'm very confident now more than ever that that if people really do get God's heart for for how He's going to use and leverage this pandemic, um, they're going to see that actually this could be the thing that catapults them into greater levels of freedom, deeper uh, you know revelations of their identity, and I think uh, I think a place of much 
greater health, but it, it just will take a few steps to get there. But I, I have just as much hope now as, as I did before. Yeah, I love it. I love it. What we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break here and then we're going to come back and we're going to hit some real practical ways that guys uh, can get started in their recovery journey. We'll be back here with Sathya Sam, uh, founder of Deep Clean, and we will pick it up just after a quick commercial break. Hello, this is Bonnie with the Union Movement. And if you are a leader of a ministry or a local church and you would like some support in leading your people through the minefields of sexual confusion, shame, and brokenness, reach out to us at info at theunionmovement.com. And if you feel inspired to financially partner with the union so that we can continue to develop resources and support local churches, you can visit www.theunionmovement.com where you will find a link to donate online. And we just want to give a huge thank you out to everyone who has already donated, either with a one-time gift or as a monthly donor. We exist because of the generosity of people just like you. All right, we're back with Sathya Sam, and he is a founder of Deep Clean. And we're talking about his book, The Last Relapse, how you can realize your potential, reclaim intimacy, and resolve the root issues of porn addiction. Now, I'd love to hear you just unpack some real practical ways, because I think you know we talked about how internet filters are not going to be enough and how accountability partners are not going to be enough in and of themselves. So I bet you we have some people with some big question marks over their head, like, where do I go next? But what are some practical ways uh, guys can get started on their recovery journey. Yeah. Okay. So let me maybe just start with sort of the the overarching philosophy of deep clean. So we've talked about how um, you have to kind of resolve the root issues. That's really what we're all about. The way we accomplish this is three pillars primarily, um, and each pillar comes with a mantra. So the first pillar is self awareness, and the mantra there is: if you are not aware, it cannot be repaired. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys are walking blindly. Not, not knowing why they're struggling because they haven't actually become aware of the inner issues that are causing the struggle. So a huge part of what we do early on is we cultivate uh, emotional intelligence. Uh, we give people um, you know, some questions and things that they can be asking themselves on a regular basis to really get in touch with their inner life and build that self-awareness. Once you've done that, we then go to our second pillar, which is healing. And the, the basic uh, mantra here is that he who is the most vulnerable heals the quickest. Wow. And so the idea is that we, we are trying to identify parts of our past, unresolved areas, pain points, bitterness, uh, trauma, all the areas that may have caused something in us to become fragmented, uh, to become dysfunctional, that has ultimately led us to forming these habits. And it takes time to work through it. It's not an easy process. But again, um, if you're willing to do it and you're willing to go there and be honest with yourself, uh, we see just incredible breakthrough. And we feel like once we've done those two pillars really well, we're then ready for our third pillar, which is identity. And the basic mantra there is I would rather be 100% my true self and rejected than 80% my true self and accepted. Wow. And it's, it's this sort of uh, this idea that we want to empower our guys to be the absolute best version of themselves without apology. And mm. it's really hard to do. If you're not aware of what's causing your issues, if you don't have a healed up heart, it's actually hard to reach that point. And I think sometimes people are too quick to jump to the identity thing uh, without kind of clearing the way for it, if you will, clearing the path right. to really get those roots in deep of, of the truth about who God says we are and, and what he's made us to do on this planet. And, uh, and we just find these three pillars in the context of community, of regular group coaching, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
it's just laced with opportunity for guys to experience incredible transformation. That's so good. Cause I think as I, as I hear you there, I just see the importance because like, this is something we've talked about before with the way that God's made us in his image that we are body. You know, we do have a body like and more biblically speaking, we are a body and yeah. like we, we have a soul and we have a spirit. And I think specifically in the church, we'll think that if I only approach the spiritual avenues, then I'm going to find freedom. So I need to pray more. I need to worship longer. You know, I need to study my Bible more. And it's like, that's really great. But if you're not hitting those other two issues, you're going to find yourself in the same pattern and downward spiral again. Um, So I love how you've unpacked it, but what would you say to somebody who kind of pushes back and is just like, I I don't, I don't want to go there. Like, how do you help somebody kind of really take those, those walls down? I know it has to be, you know, they have to be willing to go there too. You can't twist somebody's arm into vulnerability, but but how do you help somebody just really see, actually, no, this is going to lead. Um, how do you reassure them? Maybe it's a better way to say it, that if you let the walls mm-hmm. down and start to deal with some of these um, underlying issues, that is going to help you in your walk to freedom. Yeah. The reality is you're going to experience loss on either side of the decision. So whether you choose to do it or, or not to do it, you know, to go to those places within yourself, um, you will experience loss. The question is, which loss uh, are you more comfortable standing behind? Are you willing to mm-hmm. lose uh, your relationship, your self-confidence, possibly your connection with God, um, your sense of motivation in life. Are, are you willing to lose those things so that you can preserve your pride and and not risk being seen, you know, in a more kind of vulnerable, intimate way? Or are you willing to lose the pride? Are you willing to lose um, perhaps people thinking differently of you? Maybe you thinking differently of yourself. If you know that you can have a healthier relationship that you can have a stronger spiritual life, that you can see yourself the way God made you to be. Um, You have to do a bit of a risk-reward analysis, but I think a lot of people who are struggling, especially when you've been struggling for a long time, it's very easy to numb yourself to the actual realities of what you're dealing with because it's just always been there and what's the point? Um, But for me, when I'm really talking with people who are, you know, even considering our program and I ask them, like, what's what's the real cost? They're like, well, you know, I, I mean... It's been tough for sure. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, what's the actual cost? And it's like, well, you know, my wife doesn't trust me and I feel really disconnected from God. I don't have any hope in my life. Um, I almost got fired from my job because like I, you know, I missed a call because I was watching porn or whatever it is. Um, like it starts to become really apparent, like, bro, like you really think it's it's worth it to just stay stuck when totally. you're actually being offered a solution that, yes, is uncomfortable, but offers you so much freedom and healing on the other side. So that that's where I would take the conversation. Yeah, I totally agree because you know, there's a, there's a genuine approach. I think that is justified where it's like, Hey, just flee youthful lust, you know, like the Bible says. And then, Mm. but it's like, there's also this reality that like, if you don't have vision, you actually cast off restraint. Like there's, there's nothing that's keeping you from saying no in that moment. And if it's not deep rooted, like a vision and purpose for your life, like that's so, that's so important. And I love how you unpack that. That was really, really good. Um, my next question though, and this is, this is probably going to be a hard one because it's like, you can't find freedom without, um, without confession and well, without disclosure. Right. Mm-hmm. So how does somebody go about opening up to someone, you know, hopefully somebody's safe and, you know, how do you tell on yourself, uh, before you get, you get found out? Yeah. So con- context matters a lot for sure. Like if we're talking about, um, chatting with your spouse, we actually have a kind of a system that we walk people through, um, if they haven't told their spouse and just to give a really basic overview, um, the first thing we have people do is journal what it would be like to be on the receiving end. 
So mm. we, we really teach our guys, you have to lead this conversation with empathy. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of guys go into it just trying to do fear mitigation or um, anger mitigation rather. You know, they're just trying to um, to keep the, the anger at bay within their spouse. And it's like, actually, she's allowed to be angry. You know, like yes. um, we're not trying to control her response. Uh, you just have to man up and kind of own your part. So we start with empathy um, and teach them that. And then we actually have them play out worst case scenario, um, which which sounds a little bit morbid, probably. Like, why would you go there? Um, but what we want guys to see is that actually, generally, when you play out worst case scenario, it actually becomes really empowering because eventually you start to realize if I encountered this, you know, like if she left me, whatever, here are the things I would do to fight for her. Here are the things that I would do to restore my marriage. Like it, it gives you a chance to start actually feeling like you're in control of the situation because it is a bit of a helpless situation when you're confessing this and you don't know how they're going to respond. And then we give some practical tips for, you know, how to have the conversation, start broad, don't verbally vomit, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think, I think talking with your spouse should always be done with the guidance of a professional or somebody. So I would encourage somebody if they haven't really talked to anybody, I would go talk to a, a leader that you trust, whether it's a pastor, you can hire a professional, you can do whatever. Um, but whatever's going to be the safest for you, that's always the best place to start for disclosure. Right. right. Um, because you you need that safety when you're first doing it. Um, and it's going to help you articulate and kind of crystallize your actual experience. Um, you're going to be able to just kind of, I guess, see it for what it's worth. And then if you do have to talk to loved ones, hopefully that gives you a framework to, to build off of. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think too, like, I'd love to hear your perspective on like, is this, is this something that it's okay to be working on and to be, uh, to be addressing while you're in a relationship? Cause I understand like you probably deal with single guys, you probably deal with mm -hmm. married men and you know, there's different avenues. I, th I think as a pastor, how I would approach that and different things that I would say to maybe, you know, different guys, but like, um, what would you say to the, maybe the young man who's single right now, but he's looking at pursuing a relationship. And then also what would you say to someone who's maybe in a dating relationship and they're struggling in this area? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're single, um, I, I would say now there's never been a better time for you to get free. Uh, marriage is the great magnifier. So if it's a problem now, it'll be a worse problem later. If you're in a relationship and you, you're not sure, like, is this Okay. Um, my, my general MO is like, it's, it's actually, I think, okay to have a problem and be in a relationship as long as you're doing something about the problem. Um, to me, that's, that's my personal stance and that's what we encourage our guys. You know, I think some guys get a little freaked out. They're like, oh, this girl's interested in me, but I'm still not fully clean. And I don't, I don't know. I don't want to bring this in. And it's like, look, you guys are both coming in with your stuff. Um, if you're working on it, that's actually what makes for a healthy marriage anyway. It's not two perfect people who, you know, suddenly have it all figured out and you live a happily ever after. It's, it's two people who have their stuff, who are regularly working to become better versions uh, of, of each other. And if, if you can support each other in that, that arena, um, then I think it can be really effective. So um, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, one of the things that we always uh, tell guys is uh, monitor the trend line. What's the trend line? Like if you were watching porn daily and you're still watching porn daily and you're thinking about getting engaged, I would be like, okay, well, well, maybe, maybe we can hold off on engagement a little bit. Let's figure out why you're still watching porn daily because we're not really seeing an improvement there. Like, I think there needs to, needs to be some evidence that it's going in the right direction um, and that you have at least a bit of a grasp on the situation before you get more serious. So that's, that's my personal stance. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I think there's probably like, I can imagine there's people listening who maybe their spouse, their husband is, is dealing with this. Um, 
and they might be like, they're feeling the pain obviously of, of those decisions. And hopefully they're just past decisions. They're not current decisions, but, um, how would you encourage them to offer support, even though they might be feeling the pain and even the anger of these decisions being made? Um, the, the biggest thing is control. Um, and it sounds like a funny word, but I actually talked about this in my book. Uh, we have this principle stack that we basically have, have based our system on. And, um, and it's five different principles. They all build off each other. Uh, we could get into it more later if you want, Brian. But the, the first principle is control. And uh, one of the hardest things in these kinds of conversations is really getting clear on who controls what. Mm-hmm. Because when, when your spouse has done something that hurts you, uh, for me personally, like when I experienced that in my marriage, my natural response is I want to control that behavior because that behavior right. hurt me. So right. I want to control it. The reality is I can't control my spouse. I can't control anything about them. What I can control is my emotions and my response to their behavior. And um, sometimes I, I do really well in that area and sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. And when your spouse confesses to you that they have a problem with pornography or, you know, anything, anything that causes you pain, you have to understand you're still responsible for how you how you respond to them. It's literally in the word response able, like able to respond. Sure. And and it has to start there. Now, it's not to invalidate the anger, the sense of betrayal, the, the sadness, you know, the yes. grief that comes with that. Um, all of those things are legitimate and those are your emotions that you want to own. You just want to make sure that that you're responding in the best way possible. And I'm I'm not saying you're going to handle it perfectly, but what I am trying to do is cast some vision for as you as you heal and as you figure out how you're going to make this work with your spouse, that you're you're doing your best to look after your thing as well. And it's not just all on like, well, once he gets things cleaned up, then right. we're good or then I'll start treating him better or whatever. Uh, right. That generally doesn't work. Right. I'd love to hear the rest of those prints that the principal stack you mentioned, and we can, we can maybe wrap up there. It'd be a great, great way to end for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the, the first one, as we mentioned, is control. And it's, it's really trying to get clear on what you can control. If you can't control it, you, you just, you can't be part of any solution. Um, but as long as it's within your arena control, uh, your arena of control, then you can actually proactively do something about it. So you have to take ownership of your, your struggle with pornography, everything that caused you to get here, all the decisions, own it. Uh, the second thing is responsibility. And so it's it's saying, okay, now that I un- acknowledge that, you know, I'm I'm in control of my decisions, I'm in control of my thoughts and my emotions, I am going to choose to be responsible for it and figure out how do I respond better. Uh, the third principle is actually what we were talking about. It's it, We call it the freedom bookends. It's having a vision for what life looks like when you get free of porn and a why statement that undergirds the process. And these two things are meant to um, motivate you and they're also meant to be the things that really keep you focused on the days that are tough because, you know, when you are pursuing freedom, there are some days that are tough and you wonder if you're going to get out and you feel like all the progress that you made is as lost over a poor decision or whatever. And so those bookends go a really long way. The fourth thing is delayed gratification. And it's really learning to, um, to I guess, train yourself a little bit to identify what are the things that are, might be a little bit slow moving uh, but I know they're going to be effective in the long run. That might be like getting some professional help, going through a program. You're not going to get overnight um, overnight healing. Like when you install an internet filter, you can kind of give yourself that instant pat on the back of like, whoa, I did something. Let's go. Um, doing the hard work takes a bit more time. But when you delay that gratification and you really teach yourself that if I, if I can wire my brain to actually pay attention to the long run and really factor that into my decisions, it goes a really long way. And that leads nicely into the fifth principle, which is that consistency compounds. 
And uh, the people who don't do well in our program usually fall off. Um, you know, they, they, they get kind of this jolt. They do it for a couple of weeks or even a couple of months, but then they start to question themselves or, or they maybe don't reach out for help when they need it, whatever it might be. But we find that when guys are, are in our program for five, six, seven months, and they do it consistently, uh, they start to get a compounding effect. The, 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 the sum of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And, um, and it's, it's an incredible thing. And so when, you know, whether they're doing, you know, uh, the journey home course, they're doing deep clean or whatever, when you start to execute it with consistency over extended periods of time, right. uh, the, the impact is exponential. Dude, that's brilliant. I love how you've laid that out. Um, and that's just, that's so, so good. How can our listeners stay in touch with you and where can they get a copy of the last relapse? Yeah. So the book's available on all major platforms. It comes out February 2nd. Uh, just called The Last Relapse, it should pop up. I think it's the only book by its title that I'm aware of on Amazon. Um, and if somebody's you know really serious and, and, and they're looking to get free, they want to join a more systematized process, um, then they're welcome to check out our website. Um, it's sathiasam.com. They can book a free call with us and uh, we can see if they'd be a good fit for what we do here. Well, Sathya, bro, I just so appreciate your heart and I love what you've put together here. And I'm, I'm hoping and praying it just gets into many, um, many hands of people who just need need that encouragement, need that hope to change. And uh, so we so appreciate you, love what you're doing. And uh, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure, man. And uh, love what you and Bonnie are up to as well. You guys know um, we're, we're huge supporters of what you do over here at Deep Clean and uh, cheering you guys on too, man. Thanks for having oh, me here. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it.